Welcome to Parent Tech Allies, where we share insights from the movers and shakers shaping the field of parent support from fertility through the teen years. I'm your host, Carly Buxton. Let's get started. Today, I'm honored to welcome our first guest of season two of the podcast, kicking it off in a big way with a big mover and shaker in the parent tech industry. We have Sean Green of Bambino Sitters. Sean is the founder and CEO of Bambino and has been at building that company for more than seven years, but this is not his first rodeo as a CEO. He has a background and has been uh, working in local search and small business marketing, which I imagine has been very helpful in launching a business like Bambino. He lives in Fort Lauderdale with his wife. He's the dad to four kids. And that gives me a bit of a clue as to why you would build a babysitting app with four children. Um, But we're going to dive in and get that full story. So welcome to the show, Sean. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, Carly. It's a pleasure. Um, Let's start with some company context. So uh, give our listeners a little bit of your take on what it is that you've built. How do you describe what Bambino is? Sure. So uh, Bambino is a lifesaver, quite frankly, for parents who have young kids who who need a little me time or we time, as we like to say. Uh, it's, a, it's a platform that we built to connect parents with sitters that are recommended from friends and neighbors. Uh, and it is it uh, is fulfilling on that promise. And what was it when it first started? Uh, that is where we started. Honestly, is we haven't had yeah no we haven't had a, any significant shifts in our mission. Um, our our purpose really is to bring the village to life. Uh, we have lots more to do, but uh, that has been our sole focus uh, since day one is to bring the village to life and to make babysitting easy. And that's what we're uh, that's what we're doing. It's rare that I hear that when I talk to founders because I think people are so used to having multiple pivots or jumping yeah. into something and then ultimately finding that what people wanted is something different. So it's really fascinating for me to hear that what you built is what you are continuing to build today. Maybe you could yeah. share a little bit about how it started and, and how you found yourself at the helm of a business like this. Yeah, absolutely. So um not to get too personal, I guess, but back in 2012, I found myself divorced with uh, three kids and full custody of those kids. I was also CEO of an ad tech company, so I was traveling globally uh, to meet with clients and whatnot, and um, I, I needed help. I lived in L.A. I had no family in L.A., uh, so it was really looking at, at friends and neighbors um, and ultimately using some of the platforms that existed back then, care.com, Sitter City, Urban Sitter, and they, they still exist today. Uh, my experiences with those, though, were less than satisfying. And uh, it wasn't until uh, 2015 that I was driving home one night from work, fretting over the fact that I couldn't find a sitter and thinking, you know, there's a sitter on every block in this neighborhood, and I just don't know how to get to him. So um, my my initial thought was, there must be an app for that, right? I mean, somebody must have figured this out and done this because it just makes too much sense. And after researching and, and looking into it, there just wasn't. So nobody was really meeting that need, that instinctive need that we have as parents, which is um, a high level of trust in who we're hiring as a sitter. And that trust is garnered from basically people you know, getting recommendations from people you know, asking your, you know, your friends, your neighbors, 
uh, and and finding sitters. And so that's what Bambino was really launched upon was uh, trying to take the tried and true method of finding a babysitter that you trust and digitizing it and, and bringing all the ease of modern marketplace technology. You know, the fine book pay is, is the way we have it. And um, it's worked out great. Did you have a tech background going into it or how did you initially approach the idea of building something out of nothing that could be a tech platform with your idea? Fair question. Yeah, fair question. So like I said, I was I was CEO of an ad tech company at the time. Um, it was a search engine marketing company that obviously, and it was a technology platform. So I spent a lot of time in that. But prior to that, um, I was uh, at Dex Media, which is the largest yellow page publisher in the world. Now today, that that isn't terribly impressive, but but ten years ago, that was far more impressive. Fifteen, twenty years ago, um, that that was a much 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 bigger business than it is today. Uh, and my job there was corporate strategy and tra- transitioning that business into the digital world. Um, at, at Dex, I ran the interactive group. Um, I got Dex into search engine marketing. I got Dex into consumer marketing. Uh, you may know DexKnows.com. Uh, ultimately, now they're you know they have super pages. Yellowpages.com is a, um, an app of theirs. So uh, that is uh, that. That, that was my history. So I did a lot with apps. I did a lot with technology. And um, yeah, that's where I was. Okay. So what did you use for version one? Did you hire devs or did you build something that was kind of hacky, you know, on, on Google Sheets or what did you what did you do? Yeah, fair question. I, uh, I actually went to a development shop in Santa Monica because I was in Pacific Palisades at the time, West LA. And uh, I found a shop in, in Santa Monica to to just give me a um, a shell, right? An MVP, if you will, that I could go raise some money on. So I did that and they were just basically drawings of what the app could look like. Then once I raised a little money uh, from friends and family, I went and developed the app using a shop out of Argentina. Um, the, the, the guy who ran the shop was in, in LA, was in Calabasas, and really was my right hand as I launched this in 2016. And our, our intention was to build it up over the next three years, raise a fair amount of money, bring it all in-house, and um, you know, go from there. What happened, though, was we built it. Uh, we expanded very quickly. We were nationwide within a couple of years, and, um, it, and then COVID hit. And really kind of took the legs out from under us. We fell about 95% of our business went away overnight, uh, as you can imagine. And uh, so we spent the last, you know, the next two or three years trying to rebuild that back um, and also trying to serve the needs of, of our user base at the time, right? I mean, there were there were still a lot of people who needed help, first responders or parents who had to be working or, you know, whatever that, uh, so we tried to, to to evolve, if you will, into a number of those spaces, which required us to modify the platform. And um, ultimately, though, we're back to what we were uh, and are growing again well above where we were um, going into the, the pandemic. So, yeah, wow. that's... Um, um- no. That's that's a remarkable story, and and having been you know a mother caring for kids during the pandemic, I almost forgot how, how babysitting dropped off right yeah. at the start because then it became like you 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 needed to find care and such a challenge to 
to find the right people. So I imagine that was right. a massive roller coaster to ride. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about those early days of growth. It's pretty amazing to hear you say that you were nationwide within just a handful of years. So tell me a little bit about going from zero to one. How about that very first customer activity that you saw on your platform? You know, it's a funny story because, um, like I said, I, I had this guy who was building it for me, and I refer to him as my CTO. Uh, he, I met him at a uh, one of these networking events and tried to to uh, recruit him as my co-founder. And and um, he said, "Look, I just came out of a startup. I can't. My wife would kill me. I can build it for you, but I have to do it on contract basis, et cetera, or whatever." So, he and I worked hard to build this first app. When when we launched. Uh, I mean, literally day one, we had people using the app. And I, re I remember looking at him and he was just amazed. He was like, I've been mean, blown away that people were using this app to hire and pay their babysitters. And I'm like, Fabi, you seem so amazed. And he goes, well, all right, I have a, you know, a truth to share is when you came to me, I, I went home to my wife and I said, you know, this guy wants to build a babysitting sitting app. Nobody's ever going to use it, but I'll build it for him. And, <laughs> <laughs> so we've laughed about that many times uh, since then. But no, I mean, it was, it was, I, I launched the app in a very community-based way. And, and we still do that today, right? So as we go into these markets, it's a very community-based uh, uh, launch strategy where we have a, we recruit sitters into the app. Um, we do that through, you know, looking, you know, talking to people in the neighborhood, finding out who the best sitters are, recruiting them into the app. Then we try to recruit parents into the app, right? And so in this case, what we did is I had recruited 30 sitters into the app. Uh, we were in one zip code, oops, sorry, um, one zip code, and uh, that zip code was 90272, right? This was Pacific Palisades. Um, I got these 30 sitters into the app. They all had nice profiles. I then went to my friends and I said, okay, we're launching. And, you know, check it out, Bambina sitters on the app store. And, and so they went and downloaded it and they were like, wow, this is great. And they started booking. So my friends telling their friends, telling their friends, telling their friends, it spread pretty quickly. We got a lot of good press in the local paper. We had um, we had a launch event at one of the, the community uh, sporting events to, to just kind of promote it a little bit. And it just, it just went. And, um, it, it spoke to the need in the market, right? It spoke to what people were, were wrestling with. And as a result, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who said, I oh, gosh, this is, so, I mean, it's just so obvious. I wish I would have thought of it kind of a, a thought process. So it makes sense to people that, uh, this is how you would do it. So that, that is how we got started. As far as going national, um, it really was the, the urging of some investors who said, it's great, you can do this in one zip code, but can you do it in more than one? Mm -hmm. And um, so in January of 2017, we launched in Westport, Connecticut. We launched in um, Orlando, South Orlando, uh, and we launched in Manhattan Beach. So we tried three additional markets. Uh, it took off in Westport, took off in Manhattan Beach. We struggled a bit in South Orlando. Um, and what we had done was we we recruited a community manager in those markets to do exactly what we had done in Pacific Palisades, which was recruit sitters, recruit your friends, get the thing going, and off you go, right? So um, 
it worked, like I said, it worked really well in Westport and Manhattan Beach. What we learned was it was really about the person that was launching that market, how well connected that person was, how, um, how much they fit within our target audience. Yeah. Um, and then in March of 2017, we launched in 30 markets simultaneously. So we were in Dallas and Austin and Houston, Charlotte, Indianapolis, Gainesville, um, just all over the country. I mean, and so it was um, uh, I, the, from that point, it just exploded. And um, as, they, as they say, it was all up and to the right, uh, which is what you want to see on the charts. And so that, uh, that's how we started. How did you choose those initial markets, the Westport, the Manhattan Beach, and South Orlando? It was through people we knew, right? So it was serendipitous in so many ways because we we had um, either staff members or we had friends in markets like that that were like, I want to do this. So um, that's that's how we launched it. And was that the same thing for that next phase when you launched in... No, for the next phase, what we did is uh, my head of marketing at the time was a uh, was Sarah Snow. Sarah is a, um, a an organic food specialist of sorts and has done a lot of, of I'll say podcasts and and um, well, she was a newscaster for us. She she just had a, a fairly large following on Facebook and otherwise, and she posted one post that simply said, "Hey, look, we're." got this app we're working on. It's called Bambino Sitters. And uh, I was called Bambino anyway, but it's babysitters. And um, we, we want to try this in other markets. Is anybody interested? And we got a flood of, you know, a hundred plus people that were like, I want to do it. So we interviewed those people. We, we narrowed down the list. We figured 30 was a lot. Um, and any more than that was going to be excessively challenging. So we launched in 30 markets and um, we've had as many as a hundred or more community managers at any given time that have been managing in markets. You know, that insight that you shared about how it all hinges on the community manager and how connected they are and how aligned with kind of your target market they are. Yep. is really interesting. Tell us, how do you interview for that? How do you assess that when you're in the recruiting process for such a linchpin uh, job for you? Yeah, there, there's a few things, right? I mean, we ask behavioral questions. We ask questions about their, you know, their aptitude with social media. We ask, uh, you know, about their personality traits. Um, you know, having young kids is a no-brainer for us, right? I mean, if you have young kids, you're you're in that market. You're dealing with parents at school or otherwise that are in that market, and and that's a great indicator for us that you're going to be a good fit. We've tried, um, we've tried sitters, we've tried, uh, heck, we've tried dads, we've, you know, and we're not opposed to having dads as community managers, but what we've learned is that sitters and moms in general, which, you know, I hate to say it, but 90% of sitters are hired by moms. Um, we found that sitters and moms are the, um, you know, they trust, excuse me, that sitters uh, trust their uh, other mothers, right? I mean, so, so let me let me try that again. Sitters and moms trust other mothers, right? And so when you've got a mom who's going in and talking about this or recruiting sitters, uh, they they have as a mother who's living and breathing what you are every day, they have greater trust um, than if you're not. And uh, so that's really how we 
qualified a lot of them and went from there. I talk to, as you can imagine, a lot of people who are building two-sided marketplaces. Uh, mm-hmm. Nestle itself is a two-sided, now three-sided marketplace. And we often talk about a hard side or a cold side. Has there yeah. been one side which has taken most of your effort or more of your effort when you think about building? Like, What's the hard side of Bambino? I don't know if there's a hard or softer, easy side to this. Uh, it is it is a coordinated effort, right? So we, we do a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the, the, the curation, if you will, on the sitter side. So we ensure that sitters are putting their best foot forward, that they have a good picture, that their about me is, is done well. Um, we Every sitter has to have a recommendation in order to, to go live on the platform. So they can't just come in and put up a profile and, and as a parent, you're like, gee, I don't know if we should, you know, roll the die. Um, they have to come in and, and get somebody to come into the app to give them a recommendation. Mm-hmm. And um, so that has been challenging for some sitters, I will say. Uh, we have about a third of all the sitters who sign up with us ever go live. So two thirds of them don't. Um, and it's because they fail one of these, you know, these hurdles that they have to go through in order to get on the platform, but, but we're okay with that. Right. So it's, it's really, uh, that's how we know they're a, they're motivated as a sitter and they want to be part of this, this platform. Um, B they've gotten a recommendation from another parent who has really is vouching for them in in so many ways, which is, I'll, I'll tell you, is far more valuable to parents than is a, um, a background check right? Or some of these third-party checks that exist out there. We do a lot of third-party checks. We do sex offender database and terrorist watch list, and we validate their phone numbers, and we check with the carriers, and we make sure they're not on VoIP lines, and we do uh, ID verifications, and we do background checks on all of our elite sitters. And so we do all of that. But but again, the most valuable thing that a parent sees is that recommendation, period. It's also kind of an interesting flywheel. The fact that you required a parent to write and recommend them also meant that when you earned that sitter, you also had a parent who was now, I guess, officially a registered user of your site. Was that part of the strategy or was that just sort of a nice, nice to have result? Very much part of the strategy. Um, in fact, uh, it, yes. I mean, that was very much part of the strategy was to help recruit parents into the app is to use the sitters that are talking to the parents, right? And so as a parent, when you see your sitter inviting you to, you know, leave them a recommendation on a, on a babysitting app, you immediately have more trust in that babysitting app than, than you might otherwise. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that gully. So the, the, when COVID hits, everything changes, your business falls off. What did you focus on to recover and how did you, what, what was the conversation? What was the feeling like? And how did you reset your strategy to get back to where you are today? Yeah. So what was the conversation like? We had just raised $2 million. Um, we had just launched our strategy to kind of take the business to the next level when COVID hit. So, um, you know, we had scaled up our staff. Uh, and we immediately, we had gotten an office here in Fort Lauderdale. We had an office in Dallas. Um, we immediately shuttered those offices. Uh, we, we went, you know, I've been, I guess I've been around long enough to know that 
you prepare for the worst and hope for the best, right? So we shuttered those offices. We uh, we did unfortunately have to let go of a couple people, not a lot, but a couple people. We uh, skinny down our vendor relationships. We really hunkered down. And uh, that saved us, I think, allowed us to, sorry, allowed us to survive the, um, you know, the brunt of COVID, really allowed us to, uh, to make it through that. Now, we never, all of us, we had no idea how long that was going to last, right? We, I, I, see, I remember, you know, March of 2020 being like, okay, we're all going to go home for two weeks. Let's just, you know, take a monitor with you. We'll just work from home and we'll be back in two weeks and back at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't work that way. So um, then when it didn't work that way, it was like, okay, well, let's just prepare for the indefinite, um, you know, work from home scenario and see how can we help our users. So we spent a lot of time talking to users and uh, trying to figure out how we could help them and what would make them more comfortable. As markets opened back up and they did, you know, they, there was a obviously a, a stair step, if you will, of markets opening up in Texas or Florida. They opened up earlier than, you know, California or New York, for example. But, um, you know, as they opened back up, we just got back at it and started building them back. It was interesting to watch and you can see it in our results. Uh, you know, as these markets opened up, our results came back. And then another wave of COVID would hit and they'd go back down and then, you know, and then we'd come back and another wave would hit and they'd go back down. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to say we're past all that. Well, congratulations. I, I Thank you. This is quite a difficult time to have just closed around and then have people, I imagine, hoping that you can lead a company through. And it seems like you have managed to do that so well. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, well, and I will say we had great investors who supported us throughout. Uh, we did raise uh, a, a couple small rounds in, in the interim as we were working through it just to get us through. Um, but yeah, so is the strategy the same um, as it was when? Before or is during? It still, you know, this day when you're no longer having to, I guess, kind of claw back what you had and you're just yeah. looking to grow, is it... Yeah. Is it still very much based on community manager? You know, choose a, choose a market, choose a city, find the right community manager, and then enable that person to grow. very much so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it is a very local app, and that's what we're after. Is we don't want, um, you know, we're not looking for universal coverage right now. Obviously, we'd love to be able to provide that to people, but we are a community by community app. Think think next door. Right. And the way they built out, that's that's what we're after is going from community to community to making sure that people have a great experience to making sure that we've got, you know, as safe a community as absolutely possible for both sides. Right. For parents and sitters and the children that they're watching. Um, so it's that's what we're after. Um, and that takes a really concerted effort at the very local level. Yeah. Um, does that, is that why you, um, well, let me put it this way. I unsubscribe to every email marketing campaign that I get from any company, no matter how much I love the company. But when I was uh, going back through my own use of Bambino in, in the preparation to talk to you, I noticed that I didn't get emails, uh, no email marketing from Bambino. Is that because I've unsubscribed or is that because you don't rely on email marketing? 
Uh, <laughs> so I, I subscribe to do unto others as you'd have done to you. Um, and so I, I don't, I think there's a lot of value in providing uh, content that people want to see, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's a lot of value in, in peppering people with emails that they're just not even looking at. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're very purposeful when we communicate with our, our um, user base in what we're communicating. It's got purpose to it and it's not, um, it's not, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the best way to put it. So no, we don't, we don't have like, once you sign up, you're going to get 10 emails. They're going to, you know, go from step one through step 10. And it's, um, not that I, I think that's a bad strategy. It's just, it's just, a, a I guess not consistent with our brand image. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I'm mostly after is trying to create an experience that people feel Bambino's different. It's, it's not, we're not going to give you the hard sell. We're not going to be, you know, in your face, it's going to be a, look, we're, we're in this with you. We're bringing the village to life when you need us. We're here. And, um, I remember writing my messages to the community when COVID was, was happening. And I was very careful in how I, I put that out there as it was, look, we're, we're in this with you and we're here when you need us period. Cause you didn't want to say, Hey, hire a sitter because that just wasn't responsible. But, um, you know, I, I, I really like the perspective of we're here when you need us. And um, otherwise, just, yeah, that's how I, we do it. I appreciate and admire that a lot. Uh, I think that, you know, part of what our effort is, is to cut through the noise. And yet, so much of running a company, you feel like you can't, you have to keep talking or keep yeah. being in front of people. You know, it's a really delicate balance. How do you How do you deal with that? When it comes to social media, um, what's what's your take or Bambino's take on you know your social media presence? Yeah, so we've had a lot of fits and starts on social media, um, and it's uh, everything from date night ideas to you know, parenting hacks to you know quips and funny quotes and things like that, or cute pictures of kids or or whatever, and. Um, it's and we're going to continue to do all that it it is uh it's there for people that want to see it and um it again we're we're really taking this perspective of we're here when you need us and um our focus is really on making the best absolute product we can to make babysitting easy to make you want to talk to that to, to your friends about bambino and to really drive that community aspect of it awesome um you know, I think a lot about dis- disintermediation, which is a word that I learned when I started yeah. running a marketplace um, for yeah. customers who may not know. That means that essentially people start communicating off the platform that you've built. And so we get a lot of questions about that on Nestle. I imagine you do as well. What's your yeah. What's your take on disintermediation? How are you working against it? Does it bother you? What's your approach to it? Yeah. So does it happen? Absolutely. All right. I mean, I'd be a fool to think that it doesn't happen. Um, my goal with Bambino is to make babysitting easy so that you don't go off the platform, right? If if we're not giving you enough value to make you feel like you should be on the platform, then then I guess you shouldn't, right? And it's um, that's on us. I, I prefer to, I guess, lead with a, a carrot instead of a stick. 
And um, we want to create the most valuable platform we can that really serves the needs of our users in a way that they just can't get it offline. So let me give you an example of that, right? You need a sitter tonight and you reach out to one sitter. Um, they can't do it. They reach out to the next one. They can't do it. You reach out to the, you know, and you're texting and waiting for responses. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth of disappointment. And what, do you know anybody? And how do I get to this person? I wonder how much they charge, you know, and, and, a lot of uh, hassle in that. With with Bambino, what you do is you come into the app, you see a list of your favorite sitters, then your your friends recommended sitters, then you see sitters that live near you, right? And they're they're really organized in that way that they're um, based on distance from you uh, that live in your neighborhood, right? You can see which ones you like the most. You tap on each profile, you see how much they charge, how old they are, where they live, where they go to school, about me, about them. You can then simply tap the uh, little box next to them to put a check mark and all at once send a request to 5, 10, 15, up to 50 different sitters at a time to find the sitter that A, is available and meets your needs. So once they get that text, they simply respond with a four-digit code to say yes or no. Um, and if they say yes, you get a uh, you know a, an acceptance. Uh, and if they say no, you get a decline. But once you feel satisfied that you've gotten either A, enough response, or B, found the sitter that you want that's available, then you just confirm that sitter and everybody else is notified, hey, this job's been filled, and uh, you go on your way. Right? That sitter, then we have notifications in the app that that uh, remind them, both the parent and the sitter, hey, the booking's coming up in 24 hours, it's coming up in two hours, um, it adds it to their their calendars. Uh, and, you know, there it sits. If a sitter cancels, the app automatically regenerates that request and finds you another sitter that is available so that you, you know, not left in the lurch. So all these kind of things that we put in there to make it so easy for a parent and a sitter that they prefer to go through the app. And that that's my strategy. That's our strategy is to create a product that satisfies the needs of the users in a way that, that um, they don't want to leave, that they don't want to, we don't get disintermediated. The situation, the use case you described of texting and waiting and texting and waiting is exactly why I started using Bambino myself, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it's it's huge to have that problem addressed and I think really valuable. I wanted to ask about the um, you know, decisions and product change that changes that you have made, in particular, making day of booking a premium yeah. feature. Could you talk us yeah. through that, that change or, or making that decision? Yeah, you know, that was a significant shift in our product strategy to um, really, so there's, there's premium products uh, are something we were, we've, we've tested, we've worked with our community on, and uh, we came to the decision that it made sense. Parents wanted to be able to, to chat with sitters, right? They wanted to be able to, uh, before they ever requested a sitter, send a chat that was, hey, are you available? Are you interested? I, you know, I'm pretty flexible and whatever they wanted to chat about. You know, do you like dogs? I don't know, whatever. And, um, and so that started the discussion about how do we do this in a way that makes it safe for people so that not just any random person can reach out to any random sitter and start having conversations. And we decided that a paywall was the best right now. Mind you, our premium service is ten dollars a month, right? I mean, it's really inexpensive. And if you if you buy an and excuse me, it's 
$19.99 a month. If you're on a monthly, it's $8.33 on an annual, so $99. Our average, though, is $10 a month. And so based on that, it gives you full access to the platform. You've got, you can chat with any sitter at any time. You can make same-day requests. And, and what was happening is we were getting a lot of sitters who were getting those same-day requests that just weren't getting responded to. So we wanted to put that behind the paywall to protect that, that transaction as well so that the, the sitters weren't just getting inundated with requests that parents were like, oh, let me see if I can get a sitter. Um, you know, that they had to be more thoughtful about it. Uh, we also put recurring requests behind the paywall. So if you needed a sitter for more than two nights and you wanted to make a single request, you could do that. But it was, um, it was again, behind that paywall. So it made it safer and um, less intrusive to sitters. Um, okay. That's, it's, it's interesting to hear. I've, I, I've enjoyed hearing about your journey so much. It is, compared to a lot of the stories I hear, it feels like you maybe have had more highs than lows. Um, <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, what What are you looking for now? You know, if you have people listening who might be your ideal collaborator or bring your, you know, your your next hire. There are a lot of people with a business background who will be listening to this show, and I'm curious to know. If you could wave a magic wand, what kind of collaborations are you seeing? What kind of um, dreams could be coming true for you right now with Bambino? Yeah, good question. I would say we're looking for partners. And, and what I mean by partners is these, uh, these community leaders who want to bring Bambino to their community, who want to, to create a network of trusted sitters in the neighborhood, not just for themselves, but for their community, right? And that's what, when, when you ask our community managers why they do what they do, it's not about, you know, their, their, any compensation. It's not about um, you know, just their own sitters, but it's about really making a positive impact on their community, on getting a good list of sitters that you and your friends can use, about having the ability to, at the last minute, be like, hey, you know what? I, I've got a long day. I want to go out, um, I, you know, whatever it is. But but we're looking for partners, people who want to bring Bambino to their community and want to be part of this mission, really, to bring the village to life and to make babysitting easy. And if that rings true to somebody who's listening, what should they do? What's their next step? So reach out to Sarah Brown. That's Sarah at BambinoSitters.com, S-A-R-A-H. Mm -hmm. BambinoSitters.com. She is our uh, VP of Marketing and Sales, and she manages that community program. Um, but she is the best person to reach out to. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I will do my part to spread the word, and we'll make sure that we include that for people who might be curious and keen to follow up. Um, let's close with let's close with your advice. Um, we've been talking a lot of advice for biz people building a business but you also probably have a lot of perspective and advice for people who are navigating working parenthood or um, just the highs and lows of parenthood. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listenership that you've learned along the way? Yeah, I would say two things. One is as, a, uh, as an entrepreneur, as a founder uh, and building a vision and a dream, um, you know, it's, I would say talk to as many people as, as you can, get as much advice as you can, but take all of that advice with a grain of salt. Nobody has the passion for what you do. 
more than you have, right? And it's, it's that passion is what makes us successful doing what we do. There, I, I don't want to say ignore the naysayers because that would be irresponsible, but at the same time, understand that everybody has a reason why you can't do whatever it is you want to do. Uh, you've got to find a reason how and why you can make, make that successful. So as an entrepreneur, stay, you know, be steadfast, um, really take as much advice as you can listen to that, but, but really try and not listen to what the words are, but more try and understand where the objections are so that you can try and overcome those objections as you build your product or your business. Um, and as you move forward. So that would be my business advice from a, a parenting perspective, it's give yourself a break, right? I mean, it is, it is, and, I, I, and I'm not saying that like go hire a babysitter and self-promoting and everything. <laughs> I mean, just mentally give yourself a break. I mean, it, it is, being a parent is hard. There's a lot of expectations on you as a parent these days. Uh, having been a parent back in the early 2000s and now doing it all over again, uh, yeah, I would suggest that you just give yourself a break and understand that we all do the best we can. There is no perfect parent out there. Um, and those who seem to appear perfect, um, you just, you have no idea what's going on in the background. So, um, you know, give yourself, give other parents, um, give each other a break and, and let's support each other as we go through this journey of parenthood. It's, uh, it is a daunting task to say the least. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being a part of this effort and for all that you've done for parents. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. For people who are just listening, uh, Sean is joining us literally from a boat. So it's a very Florida CEO vibe. And I appreciate you making it happen. So thank you so much. My pleasure. It's, it, it appears far more glamorous than it is. <laughs> as I just gave the advice. You never know what's going on in the background, and so don't assume, right? But uh, yeah, I appreciate that. It's it is a Florida vibe. I more than anything, I think I've been in and out of the sun, and it's been hot and then cool and then <laughs> so anyway, and, and locked out, funny. locked out of your house, right? So. Yes, that's right. So anyway, uh, appreciate uh, the time and and really enjoy talking to you. And thank you for joining us on Parent Tech Allies brought to you by Nestle. Take the parenting quiz at nestle.com and get matched with the expert, company, nonprofit, or resource that you could use most right now in your parenting journey. It's free, so give it a try at nestle.com. And thank you so much for listening.